What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Life and Ministry podcast, where we have honest conversations about everyday life and the church. My name is Chandler. And I'm Matt. And I'm Paul. What's up, y'all? <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm not going to make the joke this time, okay? It, it got old. No, go, the very ahead. Just first go ahead and make it. Go ahead and get your two cents in. Early. No, 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 because I wanted to do it and you made me re. You made me restart this episode, so I'm not going to give yeah, you Yeah, that's because you laughed for the whole first minute and a half of the podcast. <laughs> Laughing because yeah. you were like, what if I say, and I'm Paul? <laughs> like like, like that thing off of uh, that show? Hi, I'm Paul. <laughs> At the end of Jimmy Neutron, a little monkey comes up. Hi, yeah, I'm Paul. <laughs> hey, that's, that's what I have listed as my website link on my Twitter bio. Still? Yeah. Yeah, of course. You have course. Twitter. Well, Paul, welcome back to uh, the podcast for this week. I, I You missed last week because you were uh, still doing the, the vegan stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not why I missed last week, um, but I'm glad to be back. <laughs> I need an update being... on that. Yeah, let's hear it. Being vegan? Yeah. It was good. Uh, I mean, as as y'all remember me saying, I said I would only do it for two weeks, which Chandler didn't remember because he texted me last night trying to argue with me about what I committed to, which I did not commit to a lifetime of veganism. That sounds terrible, but <laughs> I did my two a weeks lifetime. and I'm out. It was it was all right. It wasn't. I'm pretty neutral about it. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, but I obviously didn't like it. Bro, why did you just say that like you just did like a short stint in the in prison or something? Hey, I did my that's two exactly weeks. What I was, that's exactly what I was gonna say. He said, "Hey, I did my two weeks. I did my time, and I'm out." <laughs> did you go the whole two weeks though? Uh, I had to stop two days short because I went to a bachelor party where they cooked, and none of the food was vegan, so I had to cheat. Oh, you didn't give it a fair chance then. <laughs> no, it's it's all right. It's not it's not as bad as you think. But I mean, it does kind of suck in some ways. But I mean, I got these uh, I got these vegan chicken nuggets. It's spelled like C H I K apostrophe N, um, and it's just made out of like soy and mushrooms or something. It's actually pretty good. It tastes like McDonald's chicken nuggets, which makes you wonder what's why in did McDonald's they spell them nuggets. that way? Because they can't claim to be chicken. Because it's, it's like Chick Fil A. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, because it's not they're vegan. You didn't so do they, a they, they can't claim it's chicken, huh? So you 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 texted me last night and you said, and I quote, you said, "quote I was just cleansing my system. I wasn't going into a lifetime of of, of being a vegan." So and I said, "Hey, so is your system clean?" And you said, "Yes, of course." Yeah. So you hey, feel like it, it reminds me cleansed your system. What is this like a juice cleanse, like? Yes, bro. I was going to say it reminds me of our juice cleanse that we did for three days. Yeah. For the. Me, you, Michaela. (laughs) Yeah. For the listeners who don't know, Michaela, Matt, and I committed to do a three day juice cleanse, and Michaela quit after one meal. I think she ate dinner the night that we decided (laughs) to do it. She did it for lunch, and then she ate dinner. Um, So she cheated, but Matt and I did a juice cleanse. The juice cleanse was, I will say, about 10 times harder than being vegan. The juice cleanse was terrible. Yeah, I the juice when y'all did that juice cleanse, that was what that was for one really, really, really annoying. I don't remember Michaela quitting, but yeah, I guess that happened. I don't really remember that. It's because you didn't even realize she was doing it. 
<laughs> but I understand we did whole 30. Me and Caitlin tried to do a whole 30 one time a couple years ago and we made it to day 12. And it was after a Sunday that we were like, man, I just really want chips and queso. And so we went to the local Mexican restaurant. We, we gave up. <laughs> it was yeah. a whole 12. It was kind of like, it was kind of like you being a vegan. It was only for 12 days. That's right. Oh That's exactly God. right. <laughs> they say the best days to be vegan are day 13 and 14, and you didn't even make it that far. Yeah, you that's what I heard too. Hey, whatever. I had three years to my life, um, and, and I'm happy for it. Hey, so this time last year, I don't know to the date, but we were in Spain slash coming home from Spain. Oh, yes. I, I think isn't today as of this recording – the like one year anniversary of it being declared a global pandemic. Yeah, it is. That's what got me thinking about it. I was like, man, where were we a year ago today? Literally not in the United States. And I remember, I remember people, not, not that many people, but some people being like, wait, you guys are really going to Europe. Like it's really bad over there because Italy yeah. was like going but, bonkers. But it's hard when we weren't sure how serious COVID was and you had planned the trip almost a year prior. It's hard to cancel over when you seemingly don't know what a big deal is about to be. Yeah. And you know, us, us, us right here are, we're, we're kind of cheap. So, you know, we ain't getting no travel insurance. So we were like, no, like we're, we're going. I'm a big Expedia kind of guy. And I do not check off the travel insurance one. So. <laughs> yeah. No, man. Hey, let me read you guys a tweet from, uh, I won't tell you who said this, but it is a, a little over one full calendar year old. It says, so last year, 37,000 Americans died from the common flu. It averages between 27,000 and 70,000 per year. Nothing is shut down. Life and economy go on. At this moment, there are 546 cases of coronavirus with 22 deaths. Think about that! Exclamation point. Can That's you annoying. tell if this is this a uh, government leader who probably didn't take the coronavirus seriously? Maybe. I'm not even going to tell you their name. I'll let the <laughs> listeners figure that out. That's a really funny. That's I, I don't actually know who you're talking about. I guess I could make some inferences now. And now that you said it as a government leader before, I was like, I don't know. I got a laundry list of people who might have tweeted that. I just will say that that is the message we were hearing from our government. So we didn't I didn't really think it was that big of a deal like going over there. Because yeah. it was like, hey, it's not that bad, or oh, it's they, it's bad in this particular area. But and then, like while we were there, it got declared a pandemic. I think, right? Yeah, bro. I <laughs> I felt like I was honestly in a game of Pac-Man for a second there. Like every city that I would go to, like <laughs> we would go to a new city, and the city that we had just left would get shut down the next day, and then we go to a new city, and the city behind us got shut down for the next day. It was it was crazy. Yo, yeah. we did. We I I remember being there and realizing how often I touch my face and things like with my hands. Yeah, and we were joking about it, right? Like I remember when we first got on the tram, like at the uh, in the Houston airport to go to the other terminal. Like <laughs> we were like Rudy Gobert, right? Yeah, <laughs> the NBA player who was like touching all the mics and stuff. Paul, oh. I remember, was like touching everything. Oh, Matt. Matt was that guy that was like. <coughs> <laughs> in the airport ever, trying to scare everybody don't. like matt we need to take matt we need to take this thing seriously your you're wife so is in the annoying. medical field you need to learn that it's <laughs> not a joke you are so annoying that is not true, <laughs> <laughs> not true. <laughs> <It's all over. laughs> 
<laughs> whatever that's such bull dude i was not he, doing he that. set the precedent i will representing say. all americans in spain i was like is this guy serious <laughs> that is so lame. jason is this guy serious i did not do that whatever hey paul i remember the beginning of that trip remember we didn't think we were gonna make it out of the u.s Oh yeah, we we all. <laughs> it's a longer story than it's probably worth it, but we all no, mis- we gotta mistyped know. our last names and maiden names, and it was like we really <laughs> we didn't even know if we'd make it out of Miami. We got to Miami and we didn't know if they were gonna let us fly to Spain or not. It was terrible. It was so stressful. Yeah, that was that was so bad. Hey, do we even want to sit here and talk about how many empty seats that I sat on a plane? <laughs> Y'all, to our listeners, I, I don't know the exact number of seats, but it was something crazy, y'all, because the COVID stuff kept changing like constantly where we would get a seat changed and then it wouldn't fly, but they wouldn't cancel the flight. So we sent an empty an empty seat on that flight and then we'd buy another ticket and then they wouldn't go and then we'd send another empty seat. It was crazy. I remember when we got back, Chandler texted me. I want to say it was between six and eight that you told me you were like, yes, I bought six plane tickets or eight that I'll never get refunded for that just flew in an empty plane. <laughs> oh, yeah, bro. On on one plane ticket specifically, on one plane specifically, I had four empty seats that I sent because them, were, <laughs> so the thing <laughs> – so here's the thing. So the, the problem was was that <laughs> the che- the tickets were so cheap in Spain, like, in, like uh, within the country, right? Like you could go to different cities. And so, like, on one of them, we had, like, a passport, like, they didn't match our driver's license, or not our driver's license, but our passport didn't match the ticket name. And so I was like, well, just, you know, screw it. It's not even worth the hassle, because we had already done that in Miami, trying to fix that. And so it wasn't even worth the hassle. So I just bought two more tickets, you know, for me and Caitlin. So now we have four tickets, and we'll just, like, you know, forget about the other two. We can stretch our legs or whatever, you know? And then that flight from, I think it was from Barcelona to Madrid, ended up getting canceled, so then it was like, well, now I have four empty tickets that just flew on that flight with nobody in it. That's a lot of money. Just that literally went to nothing. <laughs> Dude, that I'm still like thinking about. It's just crazy. The whole, uh, oh, my passport doesn't match the name on there because Chandler, you, ha- you, you had your last name changed and then Caitlin's last name and her first name is Mary. And it's just crazy to think. All those, not just those empty tickets, but I'm like thinking about Miami, bro. We were like 30 minutes from boarding our plane and we're not even sure if we could get on our plane Yeah, because just names and tickets, like not lining up, even though it's just like a technicality. It's just it's oh, a mess. so stupid. I think we single-handedly, like just like the three of our families single-handedly is what's keeping United Airlines afloat right now. <laughs> Hey, even getting back, you know, Paul and Michaela flew into Mexico and got back in right on time. We had to extend our trip like two days because we went to to Ireland and the UK. But are those in the same country or or what? (laughs) I don't know. It's we just flew all over the place. Oh man! Bro, I remember we, getting... we flew from the UK to Ireland back to the. We spent the night in Ireland, flew back to the same place in the UK to yeah. get then on a flight to come back to Houston because it was the only way to do that. We started to get on that flight to Houston, and they said, "Uh, uh, uh, have you been in Spain?" And we were like, "Well, obviously, it's on our passport." And they were like, "Just kidding, you can't get on this plane." And he's like, mm. 
then we had to buy tickets directly through British Airways because we booked through that third party site in Spanish. Oh yeah, we, we booked our Spanish. flights home in Spanish, bro. Oh, <laughs> that was, was crazy. That was crazy. Yeah, all of that with the fear that we might have gotten COVID in Spain. And I like, think was pregnant. It. Like that was crazy. That was just. Uh, yeah. Hey, think about this though. When we finally landed in Houston, and Paul, y'all experienced this too. But when we were getting off that British Airways flight, it's funny to think back now. How many of us, like as we were exiting, we were getting temperature checks. Right. And like having to fill out like a survey of everywhere we had been and all this kind of stuff. So this is right at the time that this all started. None of us were wearing masks. Nobody was wearing masks. Right. I didn't even own a mask. Yeah, exactly. We didn't bring one. We didn't own one. And it's just crazy to think about that. Like in that airport, like as we were exiting the plane, everybody was like butt up against each other, you know, like when you leave a plane. So it's just crazy to see how things are so different now than it was a year ago today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy thinking. Nobody was wearing masks. Then we just did our episode on masks because then people got really opinionated about masks. And then a year later from from us coming home, like I just got my second my second dose of my COVID shot for my vaccine. And it's crazy to think that there's a pandemic and then a year later, like I just got vaccinated. For I'm it. honestly, I'm surprised that you're with us right now. You know, I thought you'd be kind I know. Of I thought I would have like, Two more eyes pop up and a couple of arms <laughs> and my fingers would fall off. I'm hey, you got to do what everybody else does when they get the vaccine. Okay, hey, you got to post on Facebook. Got my second shot. Uh, nothing has happened yet, but I'm, I'm waiting for this sign, this sign, this sign. I'm looking yeah. for this, this, and this. You gotta got to document it on Facebook. I got told by QAnon and Trumpers that the vaccine was going to like kill me or make me make me grow a, a third leg, fourth leg. <laughs> something crazy oh my gosh that it's my it's uh what's his name bill gates microchip mark of the beast that's just i've been i've been seeing that you know that's q and conspiracies that christians you know want to want to spread but get that's your vaccine funny. they just ordered a uh tried to order 100 million more johnson and johnson vaccines which is pretty interesting. hey i've been with johnson and johnson since i was a baby y'all know what i'm saying like i've been there since day one with them hey are you gonna get a I, I thought about buying some stock in Johnson and Johnson. Like, hey, the federal government's buying a hundred million, a hundred million vaccines from them. That's got to raise the stock price a little bit. Yeah, we should have been with Johnson and Johnson from the get go, man. They got that baby shampoo like thing, like they in got the a orange bottle. On that, yeah, yeah, no tears. Y'all use that on Luke, of course. Yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah, no, I'm not buying any stock on that though. But let's let's jump let's jump into topics. So we have time to talk about this because I'm actually really excited about this topic. Um, so before before we really jump into it, for our listeners, Matt and Chandler already know this about me, I guess. But I I really like talk like googling. I like starting a phrase on Google. I don't know if anyone else says this is w- really weird of me, but I start a phrase on Google and see what the top suggestions are. Um, and I like seeing what people search, right? So one of those things that I've done that with quite a bit is can a Christian, and then I'll just stop typing and see what people type in. So I'll read some of these off and we'll probably do episodes on some of these in the future. But the first one is can a Christian lose their salvation? Can a Christian date a Muslim? Can a Christian marry a Catholic? Um, which is ironic that never mind. Um, (laughs) whatever, I will get into it. Can a Christian be friends with an atheist? (laughs) Can a Christian marry an atheist? Okay, then um, 
and and then you type in the word do and it's funny can a christian do yoga can a christian do karate <laughs> can a christian do bodybuilding <laughs> That's funny. Uh, it's, it's just the most random anyways i i love like those kinds of questions so something that we have actually talked about in the past because a, a mutual friend of all of ours um before he was um I think it was before he was a believer. I guess not that it really matters, but I, I think it was before that. Um, used to work selling used cars, and we used to joke with him um, that he was cheating people. Is what we used to mess with him about. And so one of the questions we always ask ourselves, like like between our friends joking around, is is like, can a Christian be a used car salesman? Um, and so for today's episode, I thought it would be interesting for us to kind of talk through that and really expand beyond just the idea of a used car salesman. I think that it goes into a lot of occupations, but. Just the idea, are there certain occupations that a Christian can or or cannot do? Or so so are there certain occupations that a Christian can't do or shouldn't do? And like why or why not? I thought that'd be fun to talk about today. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think that it's it's a little eye-opening when you hear like when we get to talk about some of the things that that he told us that his um, car dealership that he worked for, what they did. Um, and, and specific people they targeted. And I think it'll lead us into a conversation a little bit about uh, predatory lending and and what that looks like, because that's like the same. It's it, They all kind of fall under the same category because it's basically like, can a Christian work a job where their job is to kind of like, for lack of better words, screw people over and give them the worst deal possible that makes them the most money? So I, I'm interested in this, too. Yeah, for sure. I think all that stuff is really good. I'm excited to kind of jump into it. I also think it's just really interesting. Like Paul, you give that list of like the Google stuff and like on the, on the one hand, it's really funny, but on the other hand, it kind of lets you into a little bit of like the lens and like the views of like not Christianity necessarily, but at least the way that other people view Christianity and even probably some Christians, like just this idea of like, Hey, can I do this? What can I do? And what can't I do? Right. And what should I do? And what shouldn't I do? And like, we, the three of us probably do this a lot. It's like, we have to communicate to students constantly and redirect this mindset of Christianity isn't just about do's and don'ts, right? Like, I feel like we talk about that all the time. So it's just funny. It's like that Google search really like illuminates like how people view their spirituality a lot of times. Yeah, it, it really does. And that's why I, that's why I think it's such an interesting topic. And, and the truth is with some of these, it's not as we know, which is why we're doing a podcast about it. I'm sure it's not as black and white as everyone would like it to seem. I mean, some of those I read are, are kind of funny to me and are probably pretty straightforward. But for some of it, it is kind of, I mean, we, we need to talk about it. I mean, with the car salesman thing, I think it's interesting. Like, and, and I recognize, let me preface with, I don't know any car salesman besides the one friend we're talking about. So I'm probably coming from from limited knowledge and my personal experiences with car salesmen. Um, so I'm sure there's all kinds of, um, obviously different salesmen or different tactics, but um, I don't know. I, I just think it's interesting to think about. So let's go ahead and just answer that question. We could each kind of go around, but like, sh- like, can a Christian be a car salesman? What do you think? I think, yeah. Interesting. That's not how I was expecting you to answer, actually. <laughs> I think so. I think so, too. Uh, I think if we're going to get into the methods they use to sell cars can can be very unchristian. And I think we'll get to it. Um, yeah. But when you start to target certain people, um, especially the vulnerable and the poor, then it becomes unchristian. But selling cars, sure, it's just another sales job. Mm. 
10 I'm not going to go as far to say just directly no. I would say that it's very it's very hard to operate under like that lens and be like a car salesman. I think the same is true, like, and we'll get to it, but like when we talk about like politics or being a lawyer or being a realtor or a lot of like commission-based jobs, like I think it's it's very difficult to operate under like someone who is like really desiring a high commission rate, like in the company or whatever, but then also like trying not to like what you're saying that target people or uh, lie to people and things like that. And it's not just about lying. It's not just about targeting. There's other like tactics, right. That go into, um, I don't know, even like small white lies. So I would say yes, with the caveat of man, that's very, 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 very difficult. I think we should, we should, cause I, I, I hear what you're saying. We should share some of the stories that we've heard from a former used car salesman about some of those tactics that are used when it comes to selling a car, maybe yeah. those little white lies or whatever they might be the tactics that are used. Yeah. Yeah. I have a funny one. So a uh, mutual friend of ours uh, used to be a used car salesman and, and he told us a story about, and I'm probably messing up some of the details. Um, but this was the gist of it. I, I remember the big idea. Cause I remember I couldn't stop laughing when he told me the story. Cause I was like, I was telling him what a jerk he was and he was laughing too. So he was telling us that a few years ago, um, I think it was like a mom and her kids, or maybe it was a couple, but I think it was just a mom and her kids was trying to buy a car and the lady was kind of on the fence about it. And she was trying to bargain the price down and he kept saying he couldn't, he couldn't. And then he said, in fact, hang on, let me go talk to my manager um, and really see what I can do about this. I'll be right back. And he said he sprinted out the back door <laughs> and sprinted to the gas station across the street, grabbed snacks and drinks for the kids and for the mom, um, gave them to them. And then was like, hey, I talked to my manager. Actually, yeah, I could knock a little bit off the price. And he said in his head, he was explaining that there was like levels of commission. So like, I'm making up numbers, but like at 10,000, he only got 10% commission. At 8,000, he got 8% commission. I don't know. It was like some numbers that he knew. So he just lowered it enough to where his commission didn't change. And he didn't have to talk to anyone to do that. He had the authority and that the lady ended up buying the car. And so he was even laughing, telling me like, oh yeah, I just totally like, was really sweet to her kids and acted like I got her a great deal knowing that as long as it didn't affect my commission, I didn't really care. Yeah, that's so crazy. You know, we bought a used car not too long ago and um, I didn't buy this used car from the place that I'm about to tell you because I was so annoyed at how they handled me, but because it was something similar. They didn't like go outside, go across the street or, you know, buy me anything or anything like that. And they weren't even like overly nice, but I could tell I was like, Cause they like would come out and they would say, Hey, it would cost this much. And it had like all these things on it. It was like, like you have to get the car. Like it had like all these additional costs for like car wash package. It had uh, you know, warranty package on it. And I told them like, Hey, I don't want any of that stuff. And they were like, Oh, well it has to be on there. So they like front loaded, you know, all of these things. And it, uh, bro, it was, it, it was like $4,000. It was something crazy. Like on top of the, mm. the price of the car, like, so say the price, the price of the car was like $12,000. And well, then it was like, okay, well, $16,000, not including like, that's not your walkout price or anything. And I was like, Hey, like, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, Oh, well, it has to go on there. I was like, well, I'm going to walk. Like, I'm not going to do that. And so they were like, Oh, well, let me go ask my manager, bro. These two, these two ladies walked up into their manager's office and they were laughing, dude, like the whole time, like I could hear them. They were being loud, laughing, cracking up. And then all of a sudden, cause I was sitting at the table right there. All of a sudden they walked back out. Okay. Well, Hey, we can take those things off, but this is our end deal. So they basically front loaded the cost, then came out, say, took it off. And then I said, well, I'm not going to be able to do that. And they were like, well, we can go like $200 less, but that's it. 
And so I just walked on him. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. But it's just crazy because it's like, dude, like I, it's all about that commission is what it feels like, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, and like that's not honest. Like you're not being honest. You're being deceitful and you're, you're telling those little white lies in order to make a sale. And to me, when you're being dishonest like that, like it's hard. I, I hear what you're saying where it's hard to say you're a follower of Jesus. And like you have to do that to be really good at your job. Yes. And that's the difficulty. And we could talk about this a little more later, but like, it's the system that some of these people are put in. Cause like, you can make the argument, like, I'm not just trying to knock car salesmen. Like you can make the argument that's like, man, like this is their, their livelihoods and they're trying to lead and provide for their families, which there's some biblical like elements to that. Right. And so they're living that out in the best way that they know how and the best way that they can. But the only way they can do that is if they hit that, hit, hit that uh, commission percentage, you know? And so I right. think it's uh you know, it's kind of like a match and, burning at both ends type of deal. Like it's, it's, it's hard to play that balance. And Michaela made a good point. I was talking to Michaela about this morning and Michaela was like, I mean, someone has to sell cars, right? So um, mm. like, we're thankful we have cars and someone has to sell it to us. So that's why I can't say that a Christian can't be a car salesman. Um, and, and Which, the other thing is they have to make a profit. Like they have to make a living. I mean, you're not just going to have a, a nonprofit, like you just make no you're not making money. You're just handing out cars to people like that makes no sense. So there has to be some kind of profit in there. Okay. (laughs) Well, then you can say that about anything like a a Christian can't own a restaurant because you're making a profit. Like, I don't know. It's just, I think that, I think that it just, the profit doesn't bother me. And the salesman idea doesn't bother me. It's the idea of omitting truths or not being a hundred percent honest to try to squeeze as much as you can out of someone. It just makes me feel weird. Yeah, so you're saying that, yes, a Christian can do any job that's like that commission-based, whatever, but they need to do it with honesty and integrity. And there's a system that has been put in place in a lot of these jobs to where when you're honest and you have integrity, it's really hard to thrive. It's really hard to succeed and do really well. Obviously, there's exceptions and there's people who are probably straight honest and they're really, really, really great at their job, really successful. But I feel like the shortcut to being successful in a sales commission job is to not always be a hundred percent honest and to try to either, like you said, omit things or uh, play the, play the game uh, of sorts. Oh yeah. And I feel like that's with almost any salesman job. I mean, I waited tables for most of the time that I was in college and what they would tell me at the restaurants I worked at is, Hey, today when someone asks you, what you should order, or if you're presenting the menu, you're going to tell them to order. And it was always like the meal of the day, which of course is the most expensive thing, right? Like with a steak and lobster. Like that was what the, that was what my manager said. Hey, bro, if, that's if, so true. Yeah. yeah, like, and, yeah. And, and, and that sounds like a small thing. And, and me, I never did it. Not even, and, and not saying, cause I'm holier than now. Like it wasn't even because I felt wrong doing it. It was because I felt cheesy doing it. Like that's so obvious, bro. Like if someone asked me, what do you think I should get? Oh, the steak and lobster. Yeah, no doubt. I would honestly tell them like, I mean, I don't know, like, this is good. Usually my parents get that. If I come with my wife, I would get that. Or I guess I wasn't married at the time. But like, I would like suggest things that I knew were good. But I like our managers would tell us like, hey, you're going to suggest. And today, every table you go to, when you ask for drinks, don't ask, what do you want to drink? You're going to say, hey, today, can I get you a margarita? And if they don't specify a size, you're going to buy them the large without asking. Like, that's what they would tell us to do. So it was... It that happened to me the other day, bro, at a Mexican restaurant. I That happened to me. I ordered a margarita 
And I noticed that the person next to me that we were with, that we were out to eat with, they they asked for a specific size. And then whenever it got to me, I hadn't specified a size. And I was thinking that. I was like, I wonder what, if they're just going to bring me the same size that she had ordered. And that wasn't the case, bro. They brought me the biggest one. I was like, that's they'll, interesting. They'll bring you the biggest one. And notice when you go to a restaurant, they'll always offer alcohol up front because they know it's more expensive. So they're like a, a good waiter in the restaurant size will never say, what do you want to drink? Or can I get you water or whatever? They'll say, hey, today we have, you know, margaritas or today we have this on tap. Can I get you that? Because they know it's a it's an upsell. Okay, so I hear what y'all are saying. And to me, all that stuff sounds really annoying at the same time being really smart. I remember being at Chick-fil-A. Uh, one of the things that we were taught to say was like ask if they wanted to make it a large and ask if they wanted a dessert. And because those things cost more and it ends up making more money for the business. Now, I hear you. Let me just maybe devil's advocate here. Are those things, is being that way like unbiblical? Like it doesn't feel, like it's annoying and it's like, uh, it's kind of feels sleazy, but it doesn't feel wrong to, to do that. It's, it's, it's almost smart because you're going to make more money. So I'm just thinking like, is it unbiblical to be that way? So I think the restaurant and the car salesman things are, are different. Right, 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 right. I'm very, talking about the restaurant thing. Right yeah, now. yeah. And it's very nuanced in the, in, the, in the difference. So when you talk about the restaurant, to answer your question, I don't think so. I think that that's okay. And like everyone, I think, has an understanding that, oh, that's just how business works. But then, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit, but then you need to talk about like people's livelihoods. So now let's talk about like, okay, a realtor, okay, a car salesman, okay, like a, a loan person, like, or whatever, you know, that's when it gets like, okay, like you're messing with people's livelihoods. You're not just suggesting that they get a margarita, right? It's very different to me. So, but the, it's just different in the scale. I guess the idea is still the same. So I don't, I don't know how to answer your question about the restaurant. I think it's probably not that big of a deal. It's something that I didn't notice uh, before. I don't know. I, I think, I, I don't think, I don't know. This sounds bad. It makes it sound like I don't think, because I think it's unbiblical, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. So that sounds hor like a horrible statement to make. But I, I <laughs> that's why you were a waiter. That's why yeah. you were a good waiter. Because I'd probably say it's kind of, I mean, it feels weird. Like I'm telling you, like when I walk up someone's, if I walk up someone's table and they tell me like, oh, what would you get if you were me right now? And I feel weird suggesting when I know my manager told me to tell them because the meal's going to be 30 bucks. And so he wants me to tell them this. And, and like, it was, I don't know, it was just weird. Like, and maybe that's just that I'm not built to be like a salesman because naturally I'm not, I'm not very pushy and I feel kind of awkward, like trying to persuade someone like this is not really how I am. So maybe it's my personality, but to me, it, it just feels weird. Like you're not being honest. Like you're doing that because someone told you to do it to make your business more money. Like that feels sleazy. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It almost feels like though, like that, like, I don't know that you don't have a choice. Right. And then when well, you get into some of the other career paths, like you talk about like a lawyer, right. Not, and again, those of you that are listening to the podcast, I'm not saying that all lawyers do this and all lawyers are bad or whatever, right? But like, you're kind of, if that's your gifting and that's like, you feel like, hey, like I'm good at that. That's what I went to school to study or whatever. Even if you get into it, like for good intentions, like it's hard to like recognize that, hey, there's commission-based things in this. And I don't know. I feel like the system works against people. It's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it does too. And And my mom, like growing up, she just actually had a career change, but my mom was in outside sales. So she would go business to business, make cold calls, things like that to try to sell her businesses, 
whatever. It's a long, complicated how, what, like she sold. But, and I would say part of that is just what she's told me is like, you got to play the game. You got to kiss up. You got to put, it, it kind of sucks that this is how it works, but you got to make, make the other, and this is how marketing is too, right? I got to make the other businesses look bad so that, and mine look better so that you will choose me and my business over them. And it just sucks that that that's almost like a necessity in a lot of ways to really thrive. But I don't know if that's necessarily like, oh my gosh, you can, how how can you say you're a Christian and do that? I don't know. I just don't yeah. know about that. It's a tricky question because you could literally just go down the list, right? And you could say, because you could say that for almost everything. Like you could, yeah, for sure. people who are listening to this podcast could say that about us and the way that we operate financially, financially in churches, right? Like you could say that almost about everything. But as you were talking I was even thinking of like auto care, like, you know what I'm saying? Like people just take advantage of you and like up, you know, up your, the amount of auto care that you need all the time. Oh, well, like we really recommend like uh, this tire and this tire and blah, 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 you know? So I don't know, man, like obviously you can be a Christian uh, in work in these types of atmospheres and then these, uh, in these uh, jobs. Right. But I think, I do think that it, it it requires a different level of maybe I don't know how you say it, just like the understanding of hey, like what does it mean to be a, a biblical Christian and just like really kind of live by that and like not trying to make compromises, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, and, and it's what we're saying, right? That like I, it's hard to say no to almost any occupation, straight up. But I think you can see how people do it, like. Like there, there are, there are sleazy pastors who take advantage of people. And, um, and, you know, I think there's sleazy car salesmen who take advantage of people. I like, I think you can say that about anything. It's just some of those careers are, are easier to think about, but like, I'm thinking, cause you mentioned being a realtor or real estate agent. So I started, uh, I started taking classes to see if I could be a real estate agent part-time, um, like in the evenings and stuff. And so I've been reading books and I took a test this week or whatever. And I didn't really understand that much about the process before, but like, what changed my mind about the process was, I don't know what you would call him. My brother-in-law's brother. Is that my brother-in-law then? What is that? I don't know. Okay. It's, it's Drew's for, brother. Yeah. It's Drew's brother. So for sake, for sake of ease, I always just call him my brother-in-law, but I don't know if that's actually what he is, but anyways, well, he was awesome. And what I took from it is Adam honestly just like had our best interest in mind. And he really did. And he asked me like, Hey, what do you want? He didn't make me feel like he was trying to get me to buy a bigger house than I can afford, or he didn't make me feel bad about what I can't afford, or he didn't try to like, I don't know, like Adam just helped me buy a house as someone who knew nothing about what it's like to buy a house. And you literally need a real estate agent to get into, like to get into homes to see them anyways. So, so like when I saw how the way Adam was with us, I was like, oh, okay. Like he does that in like a really helpful, he sees it as a service to me. You know, I didn't feel like he's just you know, before I dealt with him, I didn't know very many real estate agents. And my impression, just from what I've seen in movies and stuff, I guess, I don't even know where I got this impression, but it was just like, oh, I don't know. They're just going to try to persuade me to afford something I can't afford. And I'm nervous to talk to someone. And, um, but seeing how he did it, like maybe, you can, maybe do he was, maybe he was so, maybe he was just so good though, that you just <laughs> that you were taking advantage of. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but like, like oh I said, like, gosh. like, you could, like, like for real, like you can, it's what you're saying, like about the car salesman thing. Like, someone could be a car salesman making honest, like they're making commission. They they have a profitable business, and they're just selling people cars who need cars, and they're making a profit off of it, and not 
not running to the back and saying they're talking to the manager when they're really just going to buy you drinks and they're just lying to you. You know, you don't have to do that. Yeah. And in my head, I keep going back to like, it's the ones that are difficult to like advocate for, right? Is like the systems that are set up to basically take advantage of you. Yes. And that's what Matt was getting at earlier too, is like, when we talk about car salesmen, like I would argue, because I'm not like a, the type of person that's like, oh, every system just overhaul the whole thing. We just got to change everything. That's not what I'm saying. Like, especially like when it comes to restaurants and those types of things. But like when we talk about car salesmen, like historically, like those are set up. That's why like people try to teach you like how you go into a used car dealership, how you speak to them, what you look for, how what you get into the car and what you look for. Like they're yeah. set up to take advantage of you. Like the whole system is right. And so. I think there are some good places and even these are there's a difference in like taking advantage of and upcharging something. Right. So like mm-hmm. if you walk into a CarMax or like an auto nation, right. And it's there, it's like a no haggle type of dealership, right. At least you're saying, Hey, I'm walking out at this price. This is how much this vehicle costs. Right. And like, you know, that going in and they're not just trying to like tack on a bunch of things for the sake of tacking it on. Even, you know, like, Hey, this car might be upcharged. Right. But like, at least I know up front, like, whereas like a used car salesman, a lot of times, like you like walk in thinking it's one thing and then they're like, boom, 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 boom. And then they start like taking advantage of you. So I think that there's a difference between like upcharging, you know, something and, you know, versus, you know, actually being taken advantage of. Yeah. And it is unfortunate that the systems, like you said, are set up in a lot of different occupations and areas to capitalize on people and and force force i think believers uh to to behave or or do a certain thing in order to really succeed or thrive in their job Um, because they are working hard to take care of their families and to pay their bills and doing what you know what what we do to try to care for for our families and whatnot but uh, i got a story i think that kind of relates to what you're saying chandler uh from our mutual friend who uh talked about uh how they would target specific people to try to sell them a car. And so everyone knows that when you go in to buy a buy a car, you have to run a credit check. So uh, your credit, uh, if it's really good, you can typically get lower interest. Um, you can get approved for more money because you have shown over time that you can make your payments on time and you don't collect debt and so on and so forth. Uh, what's what's interesting is though they would basically compile a list of all the people whose credit score was like below 500 which is that's like a really bad credit score that means that you've probably had to default on a loan or uh, you've got a ton of debt already uh, or you've been in debt for a really 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 long time and you haven't been able to get out Uh, 500 credit score is pretty rough so they would target people they'd have a whole list of people uh, who have a credit score of 500 or so or below, and they would call them and basically try to convince them to come up there and buy a car, knowing full well it is not in their best financial interest at all to buy a car because they are not in a financial place to buy a car, but they're going to use manipulation and and deceitful tactics to sell them a car even though their credit score is horrible, which means they would have a very high interest rate and the length of the loan would probably have to be like seven, eight years, which in the long run makes them pay double, triple the price of whatever's on that sticker. What is a normal, what is a normal length? I've, I've never, 
I've bought I've only bought one car from a dealership uh and I think it was over for a four year loan. Mm. But I paid it off in like two and a half. Okay. But I think I think like four years is pretty is normal. I don't think all, all I know is that the longer the loan, the more money in the long run you're paying. Because right. it's set yeah. up to and screw you over. Exactly. And like a seven year car note. Ooh, that's a long time to arguably on a car in general depending on what kind of vehicle you get you know yep and Dave it's not going to be worth it's not worth anything after seven years well that's, like, that's, 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 that's the point that's what though. i'm saying even if you drive the car for 15 years or whatever like the value is yeah. actively going down as your interest like you're still piling on the amount of interest that you're paying but that's like more of a finance thing but yeah i mean i think what you're saying is spot on man like it's unfortunate that people target uh target certain people like that, you know, and try to take advantage of them uh, in that way, especially as it, as it pertains specifically to debt. It's not even saying like, hey, like we just want to, again, it's not the upcharge that's the issue as much as it is that, hey, no, I'm literally affecting like your lifestyle in the long haul when it comes to debt. Now, that being said, I don't know how many, so this is like, cause I'm trying to give like car salesmen some grace here too, is like, I don't know how many car salesmen are sitting there thinking like, Man, I'm about to just put you like in so much debt. I, no, some of right. them themselves are in it. You know what I mean? So it, it again goes back to this like system issue. Um, but yeah, I it's it's just one of those things too, though, if you think about it. Because you're right. I don't think that car salesmen and people like that are just sitting around ready, like, all right, who am I gonna screw over this time? Like, <laughs> who am I gonna rob today? Like, I don't think that they come in there with the with the wrong motives and a bad heart. Obviously there are some that, that do that. I don't think that's the majority. Um, but have you also heard this, this, this tactic is the one that I think gets me because this is, this is goes after everybody. Um, because your job, if you want to make the most money, right. It's to screw people over. And, and this is like a, a thing that me and some of the guys on the team, we kind of joke about this. Uh, it's when you go in there, they'll say, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't look at the sticker price. How much can you afford a month? Oh, they always How much answer. can you afford a month? And it's like they are in the long run screwing you over. But see, I they know better. They know that. And that's my problem is not necessarily with with like it, – it, it is with the system. It is with the people that are knowingly, hey, you can afford $400 a month, right? Oh sure, seven year over seven years. Just act like you don't even make that four hundred dollars. You won't even know a difference. So you get so used to it, and it screws you. It's funny you say that. I got so mad. This guy, this this. Oh, I almost. Oh, I'm already getting mad thinking about it. This salesman <laughs> one time, because he treated me like I was poor and an idiot. Like he looked at me like I was crazy. Because he asked me how much can you afford a month, and and I said I don't care about that. I'm looking for a car. I don't know. It was like twelve or ten thousand. I'm looking for a car under ten thousand. Um, I just want to know what my monthly payment will be. Well, how much can you afford a month? He said, look, man, I'm paying a car note right now. I couldn't even tell you how much my car is. No one knows. Like, you don't you don't remember that. You just know what you're paying monthly. And I said, well, I don't care about that. I want to know how much the car is. And then when I then I gave him a ridiculously no, no loan number because I was like, you want to know how much I want to pay a month? Okay, like 300 or I said something like that. And then he like, I don't remember what I said, but I remember that he uh, he just made me feel like I was really poor and then just like walked away and was talking to someone else. And it annoyed me because he wouldn't, he wouldn't but answer see, my question. They don't want to sell you. That's a, that's the problem, dude. Like that's right. why I keep going back to the system thing. That's the problem. I don't feel that way. Like we bought uh, two cars now, and both of the cars that we bought, um, 
were no haggle places. I've never felt that way, at least walking into those places, whether they're upcharging me or whatever. Like I've never walked into that place and felt like, oh, this salesman, he doesn't even, because that's the problem too, bro. Like that's what happened to you is you basically have a salesman who's evaluating your financial status. And he's saying, hey, if you want to buy a car cash or at a low monthly payment, basically, man, I'll pass you on because I got to go make my commission. So I'm just going to go to the next person. And like, that's where like, when we talk about, to go back to the original question is, can you be a Christian and be a car salesman? Yes. Is it like very difficult to follow, like fall within those ethical bounds like that? Like, I think also, yes, you know, and that can maybe you could argue that, hey, that's not their fault. Like, they're just trying to make their money. Like, they're just trying to do what they got to do. But like that mindset of from the time somebody walks into the parking lot, like that you're like trying to spot like their financial status so that you could figure out just the right amount that you can gain personally. That's dangerous. That's where it gets really dangerous to me. Hmm. Yeah. And I just remember the way it like, I just remember the way I felt leaving that place was so gross. Like I was so mad. I still remember where it was. I told me I'll never go back to that place. Cause I was just <laughs> so mad how that he made me feel like he made me feel like I was so stupid. And what's funny is I was like, I'm being smart. And so you're treating me like I'm stupid because I don't want to be like, Oh yeah, you know, I, you're right. It doesn't matter how much a car is. Um, it was, it, it, it like really, really frustrated me. Yeah, I feel like a lot of our listeners have all had similar experiences when it comes to dealing with people like used car salesmen. And that's why I think it's a joke, you know, or like almost like an idiom of sorts of like a used car salesman. They're they're stereotyped as sleazy and as uh, wanting to take advantage of you and manipulate you. And it's unfortunate because I think that there's plenty of car salesmen that are, are really great people who love the Lord and it's unfortunate that the system that they're in is kind of uh, put that stereotype on them and almost force them to try to be maybe a certain way. And I can't imagine having to kind of navigate those waters. And so uh, as we kind of bring the episode to an end, I'm just, what are some things I think that we could leave this episode with? And like, what's kind of the point of uh, talking about this? Cause I feel like we're kind of coming to the same conclusion. So let's kind of articulate that a little bit for those who maybe this whole time just think, we hate car salesmen and, and being a pastor is at the perfect job and everyone should do that. Yeah. I, I think a couple of things, I think one, and, and I keep, I've been saying this the whole episode is it goes back to the system. And like, also, I think it's important for us to recognize that, Hey, not everybody has the, it's not as simple as just saying, Hey, well, I just won't be a used car salesman. I'm going to go do this job instead. Not everybody has that luxury. So like, that's hard. So they're already put into, a broken like system where they've got to make ethical decisions that directly affect, Hey, and this might sound extreme to some people, but this is true. That directly affects whether food goes on their table for their kids. That's a hard ethical decision to make. So I think that number one is important to recognize. Um, and cause this was another yeah. thing that I had just thought of, but this also goes for like, this is a lot of like commission based things, right? That's what we're talking about is like, at our first house, we had some air conditioning issues and we almost needed to buy a new a new unit. So we already started pricing them out. Somebody came out and dude, like the amount of stuff that they were like talking to us about, like even just air conditioning salesmen and stuff like that. Anybody who's in sales, like, you know that like, hey, like there is a gimmick here and that you're almost forced to be in a position. I think some people love it because they're good at it, right? And so if you love it and you're good at it, and it comes down to like, hey, you're good at it because you're good at lying to people, you're good at taking advantage of people, then that's like a check your heart moment, right? But I think 
on the other hand, that there are good, loving believers who are stuck in a system and in a cycle that they can't really get out of. And I think that when that directly affects people and their family and food and mortgages and rents and like stuff like that, that's where it gets a little difficult. And I would say that, man, like we as believers got to exercise grace to those people that not everybody is in the same circumstances. And like the people who <laughs> the people who are being forced to like make other people you know, go into debt might be in the same situation themselves because somebody else made them do that, you know? So I think, I think that that's difficult, but if you are like financially stable, you do have like choice of like the type of, uh, business that you're going to be in the type of organization that you're going to be a part of culturally, like all of those things. And you are financially like stable enough to like dip on a job that like is making you do unethical things. I think it's worth considering. Like, I don't know if y'all would agree with that. And some people who are listening, I think that's crazy. But if you're like consistently having to be in these ethical dilemmas, then like I would say that maybe you don't like maybe you shouldn't have to be in that spot, you know, and it's a, and the same thing goes for any job. Like that's even like if we talk about churches, right, because like like what you said, Matt, like they, it's not that like, hey, oh, we're working for a church like you have no ethical dilemmas. No, like there's churches that put you in weird spots, too, like and you've got to make these choices of, hey, what's right and wrong in every single job. And if you're financially stable enough to be a part of an organization where hey, they're not like challenging on challenging you on your biblical ethics all the time, then I think I think that you should change, you know, whatever that looks like. Hmm. Yeah, that's a yeah, that is a that is a spicy take. That's an extreme thought. I, I like it. I like it, though. I think what's a spicy um, take? for the me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, I that'll yeah, we'll see. That'll get you some DMs, I bet. Uh, I think <laughs> for me, I guess. What I think about is, um, I don't know, like like we said at the beginning, it's hard. I think the question, and that's why I said at the beginning, I love Googling this, and maybe we we could make it a segment at some point to just talk through more of those. Like the, can I just looked at it again. It was like, can a Christian go to a party? Um, can a Christian be at a bar? Um, <laughs> like, I think those are, it's just interesting questions that people ask, right? And they just want to know <laughs> what are the boundaries for Christian? Where is the line? Um but I think I think for me the it's more of like the, the heart in it as we think about it, not so much of it's it's not so black and white about can a Christian do this or that because I mean it, like we've talked about this whole podcast, you know, there can be a, a car salesman who's who's making a living. Someone needs to sell me the car, so I'm glad someone's doing it and he's not taking advantage of me, and I think that's great. Um, I also think you know that there could be car salesmen who are taking advantage of people, just like I think pastors can be manipulative and just doing whatever they can do to get someone in the building, um, you know, so that their church continues to survive so that they're bringing in money and they're just being manipulative with people and not actually caring for people. And so, or, you know, just like there could be a waiter who is just trying to get as much money as he can out of you. I don't know. I think that with whatever occupation you have, there could be like a kind of unfair way to do it that you're trying to take advantage of people instead of kind of a way of just doing your job and helping people and, just, I mean, you know, people have to sell things. So I'm glad that people sell me things, but I'd like if you weren't trying to take advantage of me. Yeah, I think there's a, probably a lot that could still even be said about just this topic. And yeah, I like that idea, Paul. Maybe we can turn this into a segment. Can a Christian blank? Uh, we can be the ones who draw a line. We are the ones who decide, I guess. Just We are the line. Three, three uh, <laughs> student pastors in their 20s. <laughs> not much life experience will be the ones to decide what's right and wrong i've bought two cars i know about the salesman <laughs> no i think it's i think that um 
there's there's still a lot to be said and and it, it's a it's an, a fascinating topic and uh i think i think one thing we need to do in the future is talk about predatory lending and other things because i think those are things that uh, and jobs that people have that maybe we're not always aware of and systems that are in place that we're not always aware of and uh, it was it's cool i i never knew anything about some of the stories that we got to share here that were told to us about Oof, car yeah. salesmen and stuff and targeting specific people and using different manipulation tactics or even you paul saying the the thing about the working at a restaurant and and trying to trick people into buying this and stuff it's just it makes you more aware of kind of why people do what they do and it's unfortunate that we live in such in a fallen world that it feels like you can't trust people and my encouragement i guess would be for christians like be be the example and be the ones who who walk in character and integrity can you imagine uh screwing someone over as part of your job and then walking into church and sitting next to them and seeing them for the first time at church that just sounds so awkward and so uh since the wrong message i guess of sorts so uh, we've all done that before where we've kind of done something publicly that we wish we didn't. And then we ran into someone afterwards and they find out you're a pastor and they realize you're a Christian and you're like, oh man, I'm a freaking butthole. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I just think that it's unfortunate the systems that are in place are in place. Uh, but I think there's ways to do every job with integrity and high character. So that's what we want to strive for and be like Jesus and so forth. Yeah, for sure. So I think it would be really good to the, maybe do a now you know type of uh, episode just on uh, the targeting that you're talking about, man. I think it's yeah. I think just some people it comes back to awareness, like are just kind of unaware as to that, like those things really do occur, right? And I think some people listening probably would hold the opinion that you know, hey, well they don't they target everybody the same. Like no one's like doing like specific like demographic targeting. And the reality is, is if you're great at salesman, that's probably just not that's probably just not true. Right. So yeah. I think doing an episode like that would be great. Uh, that being said, uh, to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Matthew, Paul, can't tell you apart in season two, but uh, it's been a fun conversation. We'll see you next time on the Life of Ministry podcast.